The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we invite you to fall afresh on us this morning. This is your time. You're in charge. And we ask, Lord, that as we open the scriptures, we would each feel your nearness to us, your love, your power, and the work of transformation in our hearts. We ask this, Lord, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So lately, I've been very fascinated by the topic of personalities, particularly how they relate to our tendencies to practice spiritual things, how we pray, how we seek God, how we serve. And so I've been reading and I listen to podcasts from time to time, and I heard in a conversation on a podcast this week something that really, really struck me. Um, they were interviewing a man by the name of Mark Scrandetti. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, he is an author and a professor of spiritual formation at Fuller Seminary. And he was talking about the topic of working on our negative mental state and how that relates to our personalities and how different people choose to do that differently and more effectively, depending on your personality. He was describing an, an exercise that they do where they ask the folks to keep a daily journal for six weeks. And for six weeks, what these people had to do was write two pages of whatever came to mind. You just sit down, whatever comes down, whatever comes to your mind, you, you write it out. And so what they found is that by day three or four, folks start to repeat themselves. Because we write out of our experience, we write out of, you know, most of us sometimes, if we do keep the discipline of journal, journaling, it's mostly whenever we're in a funk and we want to work some things out, we got to put some thoughts on paper. And so by day three or four, we're repeating ourselves. And he says that what that shows is that this is our habitual way of doing self-talk. This is how we view ourselves. These are the, the kinds of things that, that we see and that we experience over and over and over again. And while it might be a good thing or it might feel good to get it out, sooner or later we have to think and look and say, is this, do I like this about myself? Do I like the person that I see on these pages. So the magic that doing this for six weeks is that by day five or six, you're completely bored with writing the same kinds of things over and over and over. And so it beckons the question. It beckons the fork in the road. 
I either have to learn a new script and ask myself the question, can I learn to tell a different story? Or be subject to being stuck here for the rest of my life? Having said that, I'd like to read again a few verses from our passage today, starting on verse 22. As was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his work, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. After I read this this week as I prepared to teach you this morning, I went back to read Abraham's story in the book of Genesis, the beginning of the origins of the people of God in Scripture. And I noticed something about Abraham's story leading up to the moment that James references right here in chapter 2. And it had to do a lot with the theme of trust, particularly trusting God. One moment, Abraham shows incredible trust in God. I mean, he uproots his entire life because he has heard the voice of God telling him, go, and I'm going to give you this new land. And so he does that. Shows incredible faith. Another moment, he is plotting with his wife for fear of his safety telling her he, she should tell people that she's actually his sister so the king of Egypt won't kill him. That didn't go very well, by the way. One moment he's building an altar in praise and thanksgiving to this great God of the cosmos. Another, he is completely having a conversation about the inheritance that he's going to leave and how he doesn't have a natural-born child. And, and if nothing happens, one of his servant's sons is going to inherit all of this. One moment, he is making covenants in a very radical and very clear way with, the God, with this God of the cosmos about the future God had for him and for his people. So clear. God being so present. And another moment, he's again plotting with his wife and saying, you know, just in case God, you know, needs a little help, I will go ahead and have children with your maid. This was Abraham. And this is us too. 
the same story over and over and over again. So here's what I want to propose this morning. Perhaps our struggle to allow our faith and our works to click together, to allow the faith that we have in God and the works that we live, the life that we live, the story that we tell, to be in sync with one another, isn't necessarily that we don't believe that they should be. I've been living life with you here for about three years, a little more than three years, and I don't believe I have to convince anybody in this room that faith and works ought to be in sync. But I do know that our reality is that we often struggle for them to exist in that manner. So it is not that we don't believe they should be. What I propose is that perhaps we really only have room for one story in our lives. And if that story isn't our faith in God and the way that faith comes out of us and demonstrates itself and manifests itself in what we do every day, if that story isn't that what is inside of us comes out here, what we do in this sacred space fills the streets of our city out there, if that's not the story we're living, then it's another one completely. And perhaps it's the same one over and over and over again. I want to make something very clear before we go any further. The Holy Spirit is with us not to shame us. And this is something that we ought to remind one another as a community of love and forgiveness. The Holy Spirit comes and meets with us not to shame us, but I do believe that the Holy Spirit will unsettle us. And what does that look like? It's like the parent, when you see your child playing too close to an open fire. I mean, mama bear, papa bear, the lion, whatever animal you want to describe, comes out of said parent and uproots, I mean, literally flies up the ground and jumps and grabs that child and says, no, not here. That's not shame. That's a rescue mission. So the Holy Spirit coming to unsettle us about our lives is not shame. It should not feel like shame. If you feel shame, it's not the Holy Spirit. And I believe when the Holy Spirit comes and wants to do deep work in our lives, he invites us to bring out of the shadows these things that we keep hidden into the light of Christ so that they can be healed, so that they can be truly transformed. Maybe, maybe you can relate to that this morning. 
But there are all sorts of stories that can compete with our faith and our work in faith story. I just want to mention a few more. How about consistently finding ourselves out of position? And what I mean by that is folks that consistently are in a place where they think they ought to be, doing things that they're probably convinced that they ought to be doing, but the reality is that they are very frustrated and they frustrate other people by what they do. And what that looks like, it's like when we talk about the body of Christ, we, we talk about our body parts, and it's like a hand trying to be a foot. That's not going to feel very natural. Or if it's a, an ear trying to function as a finger. And so we're out of position. We're not doing the things we're called to do. We're not doing the things that we're created to do. Part of that is this thing in our culture that since we were kids, we told each other and we were told, you can do anything you want to do. A better advice would be, you can do what you were created to do. And so what that's going to look like and what that's going to take for us, it's humility and honesty about what we are and what we are not. You will be more free, more alive, more ready to live in to living out your faith when you're in the right position. I promise you. And the other thing is that when we're out of position, the world doesn't, can't recognize the body of Christ. I mean, think of it. I mean, you see a body with the ears in the wrong places. Of course, it's going to look funny. Or even worse, like what happens when I often try to build furniture, there's spare pieces not even connected. I mean, one spare piece is fine, but when you have three or four, what happened? Where did I go wrong? And so Christ and the Holy Spirit are inviting us to be honest about who we are and what we are and get in place. Do what you do best. Another one I want to offer this morning, and this is a follow-up to something I mentioned last week, and that's anger. And I'll tell you why I'm mentioning it again. So this week, we are getting our baby's room ready, and that's just all kinds of awesome. And as I was doing that, I was building the stroller. Liam, our four-year-old, was in the other room playing with his transformers. And suddenly, Liam comes up to me and says, I want to help. And you have to realize, for Liam to walk away from his transformers, that is a very big deal. And so he comes, and he's helping me put together the wheel, and, and Lindsay comes and does what all parents do now. You get our phones, and we record this because, you know, we might need to remember these sweet times and other more not-so-sweet times later on in our parenthood journey. And out of the blue, he speaks up and he says, Mommy, Daddy, I'm sorry for being a mean brother to my sister. 
I'll confess, I didn't quite know how to respond to that. But Liam, as any firstborn, has gone through his, oh, I want to be the only child, or oh, I don't want a sister, I want a brother. And he said things that are quite normal for his development, but yet I couldn't quite put that away. And so the next day as I'm praying and I, I, I sense God reminding me of that, and I sort of felt the Lord say to me, you know, that's how the kingdom of God needs to work, needs to look like. When we are at work together in the kingdom, when we're in the right position, doing the things we were created to do, anger cannot stay. So it's either going to do one or two things. It's either going to come out the way it did with my son. And there's going to be peace, and there's going to be forgiveness, and there's going to be reconciliation. Or it's going to take us out. Anger cannot stay where the peace of God is present. Anger cannot stay where faith and works are in sync. And I want to say this, and I want to offer this, because I feel like perhaps there's someone in this room that all they saw a person that formed them, whether it be a parent, whether it be a mentor, whether it be a pastor even. The only way they saw them work with any issues was through anger. And so that's all you know how to do. Jesus wants to heal that today. Jesus wants to tell you that you don't have to keep living that same story. I want to offer this morning. It's something I want to call complacency with our salvation. And what I mean by that is, is when we go through these places in our lives where we feel a spiritual high, we're all in. We're at every meeting. We're at every praise service. We're at every prayer service. We're reading all the, all the daily scriptures. We're praying. We are serving. I mean, we go through these seasons where we're all in, and slowly we fade out. And suddenly, days and weeks and maybe even months pass, and we don't worship we don't pray. We don't read scripture. We don't feel God anywhere near us. And then we do that again. I want to offer that a reason that might be true of us. When he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. James says that Abraham was called a friend of God, and he didn't get that name until he finally did what God was commanding him to do. He was finally on in, and it seems like that was the shift for him. What I know about complacency and what I know about journeying with God long enough is that sooner or later, God is going to want to come into every single area of our lives. And for some of us, there are some areas in our lives that we have been unwilling to obey God in. 
And so that's where complacency and obedience go hand in hand. We can't be obedient to God and complacent in our salvation. And what I want to tell you this morning is that God loves you too much. God loves you too much for that to be your story. For you just to keep going through life, just going up, and as soon as God wants to come into those areas that he knows and you know, that God wants to transform, we back out and we disappear. And we just wait for the next available train to take us back up. God loves you too much. God loves you too much for that to be your only story. So this morning, friends, I just say simply and humbly, yes, your brother in Christ, what are you waiting for? You need to be well. The world needs us to be well. The world needs for our story to be God's story. And we have everything we need in the Holy Spirit to be able to tell that story well. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, once again, just declare that you're in charge. And we ask for the grace to be the sort of community of love and forgiveness where each and every one of us can change and be transformed in the ways that you want to change and transform us. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.